what are some particular issues of, the, of Sarah's that you would like to see her bring to office? Oh, gee. Help me out here, guys. Fairness. Realness. But any, any policies, I guess, specifically that you, of hers? I can't think of the policies right off the bat. She's someone who can make a difference? Yeah. What, what differences would you like to see her make? Uh, <laughs> I don't know. I guess I never really thought about it. I'm what are her proposals for health care? Um, I'm not really sure. <laughs> well, what are some issues of hers that you agree with? I'm not sure where you're going with that. Where, what issues? How about, how about foreign policy? What would you like to see her do in terms of foreign policy? Um... To be honest with you, I don't know anything about her foreign policy. I don't know. Uh, I really don't have an answer. I, I don't know her well enough, her thinking. Uh, I don't know what she knows or what she doesn't know. I, I, I wouldn't know half the stuff that uh, probably some people ask me. Welcome to another episode of Z-List Radio. This is your host, Ro Hurley. I'm here with um, Chase Whiteside and Eric Stoll, who are partners um, who started the the website newleftmedia.com. Welcome to you both. Hello. Hi. Hey. So, so now you're just to give a background on your videos. You you've come up with numerous videos on the tea parties, um, Sarah Palin book signing. I guess uh, one was a gay lesbian healthcare march in Washington. And there's a few other videos, um, but but it seems like everything that you do when you interview people kind of tends to go viral. Like I'll see it on Reddit, I'll see it on FARC, I'll see it on Dig. Um, so congratulations on that. Thank you. What what made you guys start this new left media? Well, you know, we were we're film students at Wright State University, and we, you know, spent spent a bit of time trying to make narrative films, and that that is sort of a bore and, and not real successful with a lot of financing that has to happen and but we've always had strong uh, political viewpoints mm-hmm. uh and trying to put that in fiction work could be really difficult so we we started to do documentary work we went out the new left media started itself by our our tea party video which is the first one uh there the, the first one on our on our youtube page and uh we just went we just decided one day to drive down to washington see we actually drove down there filmed drove back we didn't stay there or anything drove and that's a that's a pretty long drive for us from ohio came back edited the piece together put it online when we were about to upload it we realized we needed to come up with a name for ourselves and that's where new left media started okay so so now that implies your left wing so is that that's pretty much your political view yeah well we wanted to be open about it you know you have things right now like fox news and msnbc and they purport to be you know a news channel now fox news is a news channel, I guess, but it's also one with a clear viewpoint. So we wanted to be pretty upfront about our viewpoint, so that you know people wouldn't we wouldn't be misleading anyone in any way. Right. Okay. Well, that that's that's actually good to know because you're right. Fox News is fair and balanced, right? <laughs> right. Yeah. But um, so so you guys are from Cincinnati, and you and you go to film school. You're pretty young, right? I mean, you're you're college age. Yep. Yeah. Um. So. So I, I'm just trying to picture this. So you guys get up there, Chase. You have your your tie on, your your long sleeve shirt, and your tie, and you look very professional. Yes, you actually look like a young Republican almost. <laughs> well, you know, when I'm interviewing like Republicans, <laughs> yeah, when I'm interviewing Republicans, it helps to to look like a young Republican. But you know, when you when you are when you are this young, especially when you're running around with a camera, 
right. uh, people assume that you're some sort of prankster. They really don't want to take you seriously, especially, you know, I find older men don't want to take a, a discussion or a debate about politics seriously with, with who they view to be like a young punk kid. So the tie is to try to allow them to know that I'm serious. Oh, okay. So, okay. So you go there and you're kind of low key and, and Eric, you're, you're holding the camera and, and you, you kind of lead them into, to giving an opinion on something, which tends to, the reason why I like your style is because you kind of go in under the radar and, and you get them to use their Glenn Beck cliches. And then the way you Mm -hmm. stump them is you ask them to elaborate on it. And that kills me. Um, let me play a clip. I, this is my favorite clip. I have numerous clips of you guys, but this is when you, when you um, accost people about saying that Obama's um, assigning czars to the administration. So here we go. Tell me about the concern over czars. We don't need no stinking czars. Czars in the White House. I'm opposed to czars. I want people to know what is a czar. You know what? What are they? You know they're a Russian king. Here, <laughs> Jesus is our king. You guys, you guys share some of the concerns about czars? Or? Yes, well, I don't even know why Obama appointed a czar. What are they doing? Czar came from Caesar in the Roman times and then Russian czar. Yeah. This is America. We don't have czars in America. Well, you have any thoughts? And, well, the czars, we don't know who they answer to. We don't know how much they're being paid. We, we don't know what their jobs are. Take a, take a picture of my shirt. It's actually our, the first czar in the United States was appointed by Ronald Reagan. Uh, does anyone find a concern with that? Only due to ignorance. I've never heard that. Yeah, he appointed a drug czar. Uh, czars were expanded under George W. Bush. The czars aren't relatively new, but you, you are opposed to them. Yeah, I'm a, I wasn't really aware of that till now. We just don't know who they answer to. What's the concern if they have no one to answer to? We don't know what their power is. We don't know what are they going to start doing. Are they going to be given land and power over the government when... Now, all of the czars that have been appointed, whether under Ronald Reagan, whether under George W. Bush, or whether under Barack Obama, actually have no executive powers, no administrative powers. They only act as advisory committees. I just don't you know this how? I love that you know this how guy. Yeah. <laughs> That's, that was pretty scary. That, that just builds up to the whole thing. You know this how? Well, I read the books, you know, I read history. <laughs> but yeah. um so so you go out there and you kind of I mean you're non-confrontational and then you go out there and you state the facts. Does it anger these people? Well, usually all, all I do is just ask them, well why, you know, if you're coming out to this political event, I say, well why are you here? And then they they give us the surface. They give us what uh, has been told to them on repeat in the car with Rush Limbaugh at home with Glenn Beck, and they give us those talking points, and uh, they're very emotional. You know, these people are very scared for their country. They're genuinely scared, too, but they're not necessarily very factual, and that's the same as these political shows that are, are, are feeding this, this line, this narrative of, of Obama ruining our country. And so all I ask them to do is is tell us why they're there, what, what, what they feel. They tell us that, and then I just ask them one question deeper, you know, usually just, well, explain, or, well, what's the problem with SARS? Or, and, and, and then they don't really have much else, because in truth, these things aren't substantive. These people just sort of haplessly feel that Obama's ruining the country. They just feel SARS are bad, but they don't really know much about it or about why. You know, it's not a, it's not a fact-based uh, situation for them. It's, a, it's an emotions-based. And right. The interviews usually say, 
pretty amiable. You know, we treat them with respect. We thank them afterwards. We ask them if we can interview them, if that's okay with them. Um, you know, we try not to belittle them in person, at least. We try to, you know, we treat them with respect. And uh, so the conversation generally stays pretty amiable. But do you think that, um, because if it were me, and you backed me, and, and I was backed into that corner. I would, I would probably think, oh my God, I am so retarded. I really didn't research this all the way through. So, do you think you've, you've taught them to, to maybe, um, go, go home and and Google Sarah Palin's maybe policies? Those, or... Maybe those who have seen the videos. Uh, other, other than that, they don't seem too concerned in the first place. That yeah. they don't. But if they were really concerned, or if they had the capacity to be concerned. They would probably know why they were there in the first place. Yeah, you know, I think that a lot, a lot of these people, we walk away from them and they never realize they said anything stupid. They never realize that they said things that were, uh, you know, not, not very thoughtful about the reasons why they were there. So a lot of them were shaking hands and walking away from them and, and you know, there's never a problem. Uh, I will, I, I have to agree with Eric. I think that when uh, people get on and watch these videos and, and understand, you know, our larger point, which is that people should really understand the reasons of protesting, if they are protesting, I'd like to thank at least a few of them. Well, we've got a few emails where people have channeled, you know, the czars, apparently there was a, a lone czar that had come some years earlier than, than Ronald Reagan. And so there's there's been some people who've actually done some research afterwards and sent us email, which we appreciate because we like to be as factually correct as possible. So but for the most part, I don't think that this is how I'd like to think that this is helping get people informed, but I don't think that's the case. Uh-huh. Do now that you brought up a good point. Do, do people go home and then f- see themselves on this YouTube video and, and contact you and say, Hey, wait a minute, you know, that was me. And you took it out of context or something like that. Do people, do people feel stupid after they see the YouTube video? Well, it's a mix, you know, uh, we've, We've got, for the Tea Party video, we never heard from anyone. Not a single person, nothing. There was a, a video blog claiming that she was standing behind us. Yeah, that we had someone claim some things, but that but they were just not true. You know, we, we've had a lot of people say that, oh, well, they interviewed me and didn't show it, but we we didn't. You know, we showed everyone we interviewed at the Tea Party, the Tea Party event. Uh, and then at the Sarah Palin event, we, we did have, we had a, one woman threaten us with a lawsuit, which there's no grounds to do. You know, we don't, we haven't done anything illegal. Right. Um, so then that never obviously came into anything. And then we had the guy who says compromises for people who are wrong. <laughs> I love that guy. He was such a, <laughs> yeah, that guy's great. He sent us this nice email saying, Hey, it was a really funny video. And you know, uh, you couldn't get me on anything, and that's why you just having me say a few, you know. So we, and uh, you know, which is funny because we did sort of get him on sounding a little, you know, the, his stance is on uncom- if you compromise, compromise for people who are wrong. I mean, to me, that's enough. But he was the so, one who said he, he read Obama's book, and 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 you said what was it about? And he said socialism, yeah, Greenlandism, Marxism. Yeah. So he said uh, his email said something like, "Well, I didn't say anything too extreme." But he didn't get me. But he told us it was a funny video, and uh, he was really good natured about it. Oh, that's <laughs> yeah, that's so, good. <laughs> well, maybe, yeah. <laughs> so, so do you think that um, now? I mean, because someone is it is it the difference between the Glenn Beck audience and say you go out to the Obama protesters? Are the I mean, sorry, the Obama the pro Obama crowds are they any more better informed than the than the other side? 
Like, could you could you well, make the same video going to uh, you know a Glenn Beck protest or something like well, that? Well, I think you could you could certainly come close. There are uninformed supporters on both sides, but the difference is that only one of them is has a, a media outlet and leaders that are encouraging this sort of anti-intellectual worldview and approach. You know, mm-hmm. while from Barack Obama we might get a very complex speech about race in America, or he will go and speak to you know the the, the Muslim world about. United States relations with Islam, you know, Sarah Palin couldn't and wouldn't do either of those things because she's leading a movement that is sort of anti-intellectual, this pro-America, parts of America, apple pie stuff. It's not, you know, it's not a, it's not about substance. So, yeah, you could definitely find on either side, you could find uninformed, uh, relatively ignorant supporters at, at, at an Obama rally, certainly. I think there's even been videos where people have done that sort of thing. But it's it's to uh, to it's to a different end, you know. Sarah Palin supporters are ultimately going to elect potentially a leader who knows as little, you know, about as much as they do. There's not much there. Whereas Obama, if does not represent anti-intellectualism, and there's not like a concern that he has an absence of really intelligent, thoughtful supporters. Uh, whereas with Sarah Palin, I don't think we're finding too many people who are uh, really truly concerned about policy that are going to be supporting her. Yeah, you have a whole slew of people who who couldn't answer. What, you know, they were very pro Palin, but they couldn't answer what her policies were. I actually have a clip of one of these guys that, that was. That this one really cracked me up. This is the guy who said Russia was across the street. Here we go. <laughs> the state that, that that she did govern yeah. was right across the street from Russia. Right. To, you could you know, cross so the I, street and you'd be in another country. Yeah, and I'm not saying that she's ever had to deal with Russia, but right. I'm sure she's had. You know, boundary issues sure. that she had to deal with. Yeah. Like, we got boundary issues in Mexico right now. Governor Lastis are the only one that has a top security. What's that mean? It means that if anything happens to our board, our borders on that side, she's the first one of the line of attack for there. So she's the first one in the line of attack that's if Canada attacks, right? Because I mean, <laughs> and the, the across the street comment to me was hilarious because I I don't think he realizes that Russia Russia isn't attached to this continent. I don't know. I mean, I think it was a manner of speaking, but it certainly <laughs> suggested a fundamental misunderstanding. Yeah, yeah, definitely. But um, so um, do you think that? How, I mean, how much do you think that someone like Glenn Beck is? is feeding into this, these people being frightened and scared. I mean, what are your thoughts on him? Well, it's the, he is probably the worst. You know, if you're a news network and the most reasonable person on the air is Bill O'Reilly, you have a problem. Um, and I think that's what's happening on Fox News is that they're incredible. You know, like Hannity lost, I don't remember his name, but the the liberal who was on the show with him, so now it's just Sean Hannity. And, Glenn Beck is a new addition, is perhaps the most insane yet, and insane is really the right word for it because his his episode is very very his episodes are very conspiratorial in nature. You know, he has these uh, American plots that to take down America. Uh, you know, with health reform, he's, he's uh, John Stewart's pointed out, I think, rather appropriately that he's talking about how we need to buy gold because gold is the truest currency while selling gold for goldline.com. You know. Yeah. So it's it's he's sort of an embarrassing thing for a news network to put on. He's anti-facts, uh, uh, anti any sort of news journalism. But what he does do is he tries to get people riled up about you know he's gotten a, he's gotten a 
a few people in the Obama administration, I think, to resign even now by getting really people really upset about things that are of no substance to governance and of no substance to our uh, political system. But he's getting people scared about him. So Glenn Beck, I think, is, is the worst of of all of these radio uh, news right wing personalities. Uh, but it's the combination of them that makes it so bad. Having you know an hour with Rush Limbaugh in the car on the way home, and a half an hour with Glenn Beck when you when you get home, and then an hour with uh, Bill O'Reilly at night, you know, is never going to do enough. To there's nothing we can do to combat that by them watching ten minutes of our video or hearing an Obama speech, you know, for an hour once a month. I don't think there's any good way for us to to beat out the the team, the tag team effort that this Fox News Channel and right wing radio are doing to keep people feeling this way. Right. Um, and and when Fox or when Fox News says they're fair and balanced, do you think that that's just Rupert Murdoch's um, lies? I mean, it's it's flat well, it out lie. Like right? I mean, they... it seems like a funny joke. You know, it mm-hmm. seems like a like a funny joke to to be a blatantly, obviously, uh, conservative leaning, beyond conservative leaning news organization, and then put fair and balanced beneath it. You know, it seems like a like a like a it's meant to be ironic or something. It's clearly not fair. Yeah, it's clearly not balanced. Um, but you know, this is a, what it does is it gives people the, the it's sloganeering. You know, it gives people who watch the stations they can go, no, it's you know, it's a fair, it's a fair station, it's balanced and even if there's really nothing to suggest that. Because besides the fair and balanced, you know, tagline, we have no reason to believe that they are. And this is not new. A lot of people think this is just since Obama's been in office. You know, there have been, uh, there's a wonderful documentary made about Fox News. Uh, I think it's called Out Fox, which was made several years ago. Uh, and this has gone on even into the, the, the end of the Clinton administration where there have been a lot of problems with Fox News. So. Right, right. So, um now let's talk about Obama a little bit because I'm curious to know what you think about the job he's done so far. Well, I think we're we're a little to the left of. I think Obama has obviously taken on a very complex. Uh, he's coming after a very complex period of time for a liberal to try to remake government uh, or a Democrat to come in and try to reverse some of the policies of the Bush administration. So I, I understand that he's got a difficult set of tasks I've had ahead of him. But when Democrats have an overwhelming majority in the House, 60, supposedly 60 Democratic senators, it looks more and more like 59, I think, right. uh, Democratic senators in the, in the, who, who are an overwhelming majority in all of Congress, as well as uh, a president elected with enormous, you know, a landslide election with, with enormous poll approval ratings, at least in his first few months in office, it seems um, really unfortunate to me that he has not done I, I don't think enough I, he's not had enough of a backbone you know Republicans they will jam a bill through Congress and pick up half of scared Democrats tell them that they're going to uh, poly- they're going to go out and campaign that Democrats are pro-terrorists and hate America if they don't pass the Patriot Act and support the Iraq war and Republicans don't seem to have a hard time getting legislation passed even when there's like 51 Republicans Right. but when there's 60 Democrats and, and an extraordinarily popular president, uh, we're having a hard time. And I think Obama certainly let the health care debate get out of hand in August by, uh, you know, over the August recess by wanting to not get involved at all, even though he was much more popular than Congress. Right. Uh, I think on gay rights issues, we certainly haven't seen him even mention the gay rights battles that were in Washington, Washington, D.C. or Maine that had come up in this last, last election. 
certainly the DNC did nothing to help in those fights. Um, so there's a lot, and this being someone who uh, campaigned frequently on the fear surgency of now, which is a Dr. Martin Luther King quote about uh, civil rights, you know, shouldn't wait, you know, the, we, we must do them now. And uh, yet for gay rights, apparently that doesn't apply. You know, these are when the time is right, eventually we'll get around to it. And uh, so I'd like to see him have a little more spine. I'd like to see, I wish he would have come in and said, we'll do budget reconciliation to get the public option through the Senate. We'll do what we need to do. Uh, and been forceful about it that issue as well as more on gay rights issue a stop loss policy order to end don't ask don't tell right now because the largest employer being the military in our country is still firing uh it's uh, soldiers just for being gay so there's things i'd like to see him do better so overall i i'd say that i'm happy that we have a change in tone i think what he's done on the foreign policy level i don't know quite how i feel about afghanistan's escalation yet but in terms of what, how he's done to shape our world image and being you know reaching out to Islamic nations and reaching out to other parts of the world. I think it's been a successful thing. I'd like to see him do more. I think that once he enters campaign mode or even Democrats enter campaign mode, it's going to be a lot harder to do that. So I'm holding out still. So where now are you guys up on the health care bill? Because I'll be honest with you, it's changed so much that I just I figure just tell me when it's over what we end up with, because at this point, <laughs> I really don't feel like taking in any more information, you know. So where are we yeah. at with that? Where are we? Well, it's uh, it's really ugly right now. See, they just had decided to basically abandon the public option in favor of increasing uh, uh, Medicaid to was it at 150 or 200 percent of the poverty level? Potentially 200 percent. Potentially 200 percent, and then increasing or decreasing the uh, entry rate for Medicare to 55 as a buy-in. So from 55 to 65, people will be able to buy into Medicare. This is something which was done in a task of 10 moderate and liberal Democrats, which came up with a solution that would satisfy all parties. Today, or yesterday, actually, Joe Lieberman told Harry Reid, even though Joe Lieberman supported the Medicare buy-in, uh, Medicaid expansion as early as recently as three months ago, as well as campaigned on it in 2000 when he was running for vice president, told uh, Harry today he would not support that bill and would not vote for it. We do not have the 60 votes even for our new bill. Um... You know, the bill also includes annual caps on how much money insurance companies pay out to people who are insured. Obama's idea of if you get sick in this country, you shouldn't. No one who gets sick in this country should end up poor. That doesn't look like that's going to be true because it's going to be, well, if you get really sick, then you really will go poor. You really will go bankrupt. So, uh, uh, you know, there's a lot of problems with the bill. I say wait. You know, I'm, I'm at this point now where I'm saying I don't want a bill before Christmas because it's going to be good for Obama's ratings. I want to know which sort of things they're putting in paragraphs deep within the bill as tokens to moderates, whether it be abortion language, like what, ha- what happened in the House bill with the Stupak Amendment, or whether it be annual caps, or whether it be some of uh, the language with uh, tricky language with getting into the Medicare buy-in. I want to, I want to be able to have... Uh, Truly, the Democratic Party look at the bill, you know, because five moderate Democrat se- Democratic senators should not be deciding what 55 uh, senators do with this bill. And that's what's yeah. happening. And I'd, I'd like to see Obama have a little more spine, go in and, uh, and, and push a bill through, even if we have to use budget reconciliation. But so what's happening is uh, uh, Lieberman, who seems to be more about uh, ego than policy substance here and soar from 2004 and 2006 uh, Democratic rejections, I suppose, is uh, coming out uh, against the compromise bill, which was a compromise for basically him. So uh, that's what's happening. Pretty depressing. <laughs> now that man has <laughs> lost his mind, right? I mean, Lieberman has lost his freaking mind. 
<laughs> yeah, well, you know, he's certainly, at this point, we should be, uh, liberals should be calling for him to lose his chairman, chairmanship, any of his chairs in the Senate, I think he only has one, uh, to be stripped of him. And, uh, you know, I, I hope there will be, I, I wish they could call a special election in Connecticut, but it's not going to happen. We'll wait. We'll have to wait, I think, until 2012. Is that, and, but is I, that I, when his term is up, 2012? Yeah, and, but, you know, we have to remember, Joe Lieberman, during the campaign, said things like that we should, we had hard questions to ask about how Obama would do in terms of protecting the United States from another terrorist attack. He said that we had to really look into Obama's relationship with uh, Muslim nations. So uh, that coupled with him derailing the most important legislation that the Democratic Party and possibly our Congress uh, as a whole will be passing since FDR is is unbelievable and uh he you know i have zero respect for joe lieberman i think he's a dishonest politician um and i'd I'd like to see connecticut (laughs) vote him out of office yeah connecticut is a very um very blue state right i don't it is a blue state uh is a blue state with more banks and insurance company headquarters than any other state because they have favorable laws um and yeah, he was able to win there as an independent. He lost his primary in 2006 to Ned Lamont, but was still reelected as an independent. And or I guess the official party was Connecticut for Lieberman Party. <laughs> right. So, but yeah, I'd like to see them vote him out. Yeah, that would be awesome because, quite honestly, I'm sick of him. It's like it's almost like to me that he's just doing the opposite just to piss off the Democrats. You know, just to yeah. Show well, exactly. The Washington the Post even has. published an op-ed where they pointed out that. You know, he has a history of just sort of going against the grain and being contrarian because it elevates his position of power um, by being at every negotiating table, making sure he's a voice in every compromise, uh, more so than he actually has concerns about the policy positions. And in this case, again, he supported it as, early, as recently as three months ago. So it's hard to believe he actually has any problem with the language to uh, create a Medicare buy-in and expand Medicaid. He just wants to be the one to derail it. So, so now, do senators have advisors? I mean, is anyone advising him? Uh, yeah, he has. You know, he has, as any senator would, he has a staff and he has a series of advisors. I don't know how much his advisor. You know, to to what end? I don't know. I don't think any of us know that. I have a feeling that uh, his advisors are probably not thinking he's going to get reelected anyway. Right. <laughs> so, and of course, similar there. Lobbyists from, you know, the banking uh, banking industry in Connecticut, as Jake said, we are, his, you know, change from the speak and trying to go him towards certain principles. So, yeah. And his wife is a lobbyist who represents insurance industry uh, ah. interests and health insurance interests. Uh, and she's there's nothing to suggest she's ever lobbied him, except that she is married to him. Um, right, that seems to be a conflict of interest. I right believe there. she's worked for Pfizer before. You know, I don't know all the details, so I'd hate to go in, go into that too far. But there's a lot of reasons to suspect that he has. I think it's more ego. First of all, I think he was, feels sore about being rejected in 2006, and that's both why he supported John McCain and why he's derailing Obama's major leg- legislation. Uh, but uh, I think that's the main reason because he has a history suggests that. But on top of that, his main, if he runs again as an independent in 2012, which we can expect that he will. His main campaign contributions very well may come from people related to the banking and insurance industry. Right. Um, so now, what about McCain's campaign? Do you think he had a chance? Like, had he not picked Sarah Palin, why didn't he pick that senator? Like, if he had to pick a female, he was going for the Clinton, the Clinton supporters, obviously. So why didn't he pick that senator from Hawaii? Doesn't she seems a little bit more intelligent? 
She's well, why didn't you pick someone like Olympia, Olympia Snow or Susan Collins, or even mm-hmm. from Maine, I think would have been a better, would have been a better choice. Um, you know, I don't think that they had a chance. Uh, I think the real battle happened, and the reason it was so drawn out as it was was in the Democratic primary. I think either of them knew whoever won that was going to win. The, you know, the, uh, the, that's why Obama was able to win in so many of the places he did win, so many of the states he won, you know, including Indiana and uh, West Virginia. Virginia. Yeah. Or, yeah, so a whole, a whole bunch of states that he won in that we, we wouldn't normally expect a Democratic candidate uh, uh, to win in. So the, 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 the tide was against Republicans, against any sort of, the people were so fed up with Bush, any sort of continuation of his policy, the Obama campaign did a successful job of trying to ask, well, what's really the difference between, you know, electing John McCain and having George Bush now? And they were successful in making that, uh, tethering them together and defeating them that way. I think Hillary Clinton would have been successful in that regard, too. You know, the only Democratic finalist who probably wouldn't have been successful in that regard would have been John Edwards. And what an irresponsible jerk, um, to be, to use nice words, uh, to run for higher office while you're you know, in a in a position to derail your own campaign, but it, uh, but in any case, I think that the McCain campaign never had a chance. Uh, you know, it's it's interesting. Each of the Republicans during the primary was working really hard to, you know, associate themselves with Ronald Reagan and be a true conservative. And ultimately, they elected the most moderate of all of the Republicans. I think even Republican voters knew that this was not a this was not a year for conservative candidates. So I don't think they ever had a chance. I think McCain was probably their best chance for what it's worth. Sarah Palin certainly made things harder for him because she never, in any interviews, seemed As prepared in any way. did lost response to the economic crisis by attempting to call off the presidential campaign for X amount of time to fly back to Washington. Yeah. You know, when he called off his campaign, I think that's when it was certainly done. <laughs> so, right, yeah, because you know. people were saying that he was scared to go up against Obama in the debates, right? Well, you know, I don't know if it, that was right before. I think that happened right. Did that happen before a debate between them or the, the debate between Palin and Biden? I thought it was I the think, Obama Obama McCain debate. Was it Obama McCain? I don't know that I think McCain was ever really scared to go up on a debate. You know, I think he's done a fine job. He's a history of debating and is usually do, does a fine job debating. Those were some of his worst debates because Obama's went through what was it, 24, 26 with Hillary Clinton and was very practiced. Uh, but, uh, McCain, I don't think I don't think he legitimately had any fear of going up and debating. I think this was a political stunt to try to show that he would, you know, they had to do something. They had to do. They couldn't just run a quiet campaign because then they were going to lose because they right. were down eight points. I think at that at that point, so they they had to be shaking things up and doing something. And what they chose to do, I think, was a little unfortunate. And I think so did most of the voters. Do you do you predict Obama for a second term? You know, I. Yeah. Do I think that it's and Eric does too that was Eric and so I think that um I I think you know it's hard to say it, there, a couple of things could happen if the economy gets better especially as uh, relating to the unemployment percentage of course he'll get reelected I think that's the only way Democrats can maintain a stable number come 2010 I, I uh, expect them to lose seats quite a bit of seats and at best will lose few seats. Um, and that's a result mostly of the economy and unemployment uh, and this Tea Party movement, this sort of idea of anti-spending. See, there's usually a reaction in, in politics. You know, we can go back and look at George Bush. And the reaction to George Bush was you had all of this this liberal, uh, you know, uh, Fahrenheit 9-11 swept and through the box office that year and won the Oscar and won Palm. So you get all this excitement on the opposition against a candidate. Obama's campaign was so... 
you know, enormous and such a big deal, and people were so enthusiastic, while Republicans, you know, pouted essentially quietly because they didn't really have a candidate they could feel that way about. But now they're they're taking that that and and, and putting it into this Tea Party movement, putting it into this opposition. They're fed by a conservative media, and and to some degree, it's successful. It's working. It's making people ask what I think are valid questions about government spending. But uh, Obama, I think, will get reelected because. I think we're just going to see presidents getting reelected in this new media a lot easier. You know, yeah. being a president uh, is going to make it easier to get reelected to the presidency. We've certainly seen this in the last uh, two presidencies. Obviously, that's not a large sample because of the nature of it. But if the economy crashes and does really poorly, we have a double dip recession. Unemployment continues to rise and hits 12, 13, 14, God forbid, 15 percent. Then Obama won't be able to to win again, I'd, I'd say. But that, that being said, the Republicans aren't offering any sort of solution or answers either. So I don't know what, I don't know what they could possibly come out and say. Cut taxes, you know? How are you going to cut the deficit if you're always cutting taxes? Right. Um, now, you mentioned Fahrenheit 9-11. Now, do you, do you see what you're doing as maybe a stepping stone to maybe becoming the next Michael Moore, but just not as arrogant i mean he's really he, to me he's, <laughs> yeah. he's like unbearable now i can't i used to love him roger and me loved it you know yeah but now it's just like he he sets stuff up too much he's too dramatic he's too glenn beckish to me you know for the left wing. Yeah, I, I think we say more as a stepping stone to longer more serious documentary work in general albeit probably of a consistent political nature so that that's both yeah. of your interests are the politics then that's that's the field you want to go in right I mean as far well as political stuff yeah we don't you know I I'd be fine making a documentary like Grey Gardens too so we have aesthetic interests in film and documentary right. um, as well as but certainly political is our main focus uh, you know I don't want to be the next Michael Moore because I don't even know what that would mean would I have to wear a fat suit I mean would I <laughs> I just rather you know do what I do but um. <laughs> Uh, but um, I think Michael Moore is a very, very talented filmmaker, more importantly than he is a, a great personality. He's right. a, a smart editor. He makes films that, that logically put together smart ideas. Uh, I agree with you that he, his way of going about that has seemed more and more contrived since, mm-hmm. uh, basically since Fahrenheit 9-11. Yeah. Uh, you know, with Sicko, I didn't think it was very strong. Certainly didn't actually illustrate all of the options we had. It just sort of proposed one. Um, and uh, consumerism, a love story. Capitalism, capitalism a love story. Book as well, I, you know, interchangeable perhaps. But uh, is it was bad. You know, it just wasn't that good of a film. It wasn't that well put together. It had good parts. Uh, I don't. You know, it's not even on the 16 film Oscar documentary shortlist. Right. Where, whereas he's normally been on that list always, and usually on the on the final nominee list. And he's not on any of that this year. And I don't think he should be either. Because there's a lot better document documentarians working on a lot better documentaries that are coming out and are out right now. Right. Now, what are, what are your thoughts on Al Franken? What what do you see? I, I like him still. I mean, I liked him back. I, I loved all his books. But as a senator, I, I think that he's he's very... His approach to explaining his, his um, stance on things is very factual. It's not just you know, scare tactics and such. So what, what well, are your so, thoughts on him? So far it has been. I, for, well, I, I'll say, first of all, I think he won, he won a really great campaign. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, the, the period of time through which it took him to actually get into the Senate, he was he, he really handled that well. Since he's been in the Senate, you know, today it came out that he had a big on-floor 
Senate argument with John Thune about health care, where he was saying John Thune was misrepresenting the facts and, and not fully explaining a, a, a particular chart he held up to make a point on the Senate floor. And, uh, you know, I think as a, as a truly liberal senator, I think he's so far done fairly well. Um, you know, I don't know how much we should be electing senators to be uh, politicians and how much we should want our politicians themselves. Or be, excuse me. I'm not sure how much we should be electing celebrities to be politicians and how much we want our politicians to be celebrities. Uh, but I think he's done a really good job of separating himself from that and trying to be just serious and just a senator. And so far, I think it's, he, he's done well. You know, one of the senators I'm most excited about, though, and I can't, and I can't help but the, to be excited about him, I'm from Ohio, and it's Sherrod Brown, senator from Ohio, who's mm-hmm. been a wonderful liberal senator in the past several months. And, uh, you know, I, and I, I just hope he gets reelected here, and it's not a good environment to, to get reelected in. So, You mean for, for a Democrat? It's not- uh, yeah, for a, Dem- for a liberal for a Democrat, Democrat liberal. in a swing state. Yeah. He's not just a Democrat. He's a, lib- you know, he's a true liberal Democrat, Sherrod Brown is. And uh, he'll have a hard time getting reelected here, and I hope he does because it's it's a he's been a great great asset in the Senate. Right? Do you do you yourself go out and um, campaign or protest or? Uh, to some degree, I, I have a feeling that this next round of elections will be going out with Eric and a, ca- a camera in Eric's hand and a microphone in mine, uh, probably more than we will go out passing out bumper stickers or something. But right. yeah, I've usually very been been very involved with campaigns both national and state level and local it's been funny being at sorry go go on go ahead i'm sorry i was saying it's been funny being at uh political events and rallies that we might be interested in taking part in when we're when we're covering the the national equality march uh being being an example of feeling like i should be at this march but i'm actually covering it (laughs) yeah exactly when we're covering the events we agree with you know it's it's a hard line to you know are we there support or are we there to cover and it's right. something of both i think right and and in a way you're you're doing both with your youtube videos you're bringing it to to the public you know yeah exactly that's that's the way i see it now you you're both in your 20s right yeah i'm 21 and eric is 22 wow you guys are very young and very informed which is which is really impressive to me now what about megan mccain do you think <laughs> I, I, you know, I follow her on Twitter. She's a ditz. I mean, she, she, she throws a lot of tantrums on Twitter. Um, but, yeah. but she also seems to like when you see her. Like, I think she was on Colbert, um, and she's done interviews and such. She's very pro gay, lesbian, pro Hispanic. Yeah. Do you think that's a ploy to capture more Republicans? Well, well, it's not. It's you know changing. I hope Republicans will become pro-gay to capture more Republicans. You know, I right. I don't know if it's a ploy or not. I think what she recognizes is there's a few liberal battles, and some of them are winning, and some of them we aren't. You know, when it comes to gay rights, we can look that younger generations are are simply don't find any of the problems or concerns. They're not worried that their relationship with their girlfriends are going to be hindered if they're. You know, if John in school gets married to Mike or you know, dates Mike, you know, they don't feel any that that seems absurd to them because they've had out gay and lesbian friends in their high schools and, and, and they've been we they're on television and it's not it's not the taboo that it was. So I don't I don't think I think she recognizes what some of the Republicans who, by the way, have been pretty quiet and haven't done much campaigning along anti-gay stuff, as we saw in the early Bush years and, and, and through the 90s. So they've, they've even themselves come a, come a long way. Um, and not saying directly anti-gay things as much as they just don't support pro-equality measurements and pro-equality legislation. 
So I think she's just recognizing what's happening, which is that younger generations aren't going to buy this anti-gay, you know, agenda, or and they're certainly not going to vote along those lines. Um, but as for the rest of Meghan McCain, you know, I, I don't think she's anything notable. I don't, you know, I don't think she's really done anything thoughtful. I've, I've myself gone and read a couple of times. She's posted, I guess, like blogs on different things, but she's, she's got a name because she's, of course, John and Cindy McCain's daughter, and that's, right. that's what's helped her get get on the Colbert Report uh, and, and wherever else she's been. But for the most part, I don't think she's done, you know, I don't think she's going to end up being a voice for the Republican Party or anything like that. But I think she's, she's noticing what's happening, which is that young people uh, are not going to buy anti-gay campaign tactics. And, uh, I, you know, I, I think that's even we're going to see in the next several elections, I think less and less and less of that. On the other hand, abortion issues, which she's, I think, still relatively pro-life and, and anti-abortion, that's, an, that's one that liberals aren't, aren't winning. You know, we've seen young people are polling even more against abortion than older people. Right. So there, there's, a, there's, a few ba- there's a few places we're doing well in getting out and making people understand those issues. There's a few places that uh, we're, we're not doing as well, and I think that's one of them. What do you think um, of Schwarzenegger in California? Since he's been governor, um, they've passed. You know, they they have the medicinal marijuana facilities now. Right. Um, they're. I think. Aren't they thinking of of making it statewide? Um, he suggested that he's open to hearing. Uh, you know, hearing discussions about that, whether or not that would be ever seriously considered. You know, I don't know. Yeah. yeah. You know, I don't. I don't know how I feel about Arnold Schwarzenegger. I mean, to be a Republican governor of California, you're naturally going to be a moderate, right. um, or you you wouldn't get reelected. There'd be no you know chance. I, I'm happy he supported uh, legislation that was successful to uh, you know end the redistricting, the gerrymandering of his state, uh, and that's one of the achievements of his governorship there. A as well that, as he's been a staunch advocate. Uh, for environmental policy, certainly for environmental policy, and that's that's reflected just by the legislature he's he's presiding over and and the, and the voters. But you know, uh, I don't. He, obviously, he has no ability to run on a national stage. I don't believe he's even able to be. Uh, I'm not sure, but I do not believe he's able to be a congressman. He's certainly not able to be president. Um, so you know, I I, I think that he, I I think there are term limits in California. So I think he's going to be done here not too long from now. And that that'll be that'll be it for Schwarzenegger. Yeah. Um, do you now? What is his stance on on gay rights? I I uh, I don't. Recall you know, he, yeah, he officially opposed Proposition Eight, but I'm not sure that he himself has supported legislation legalizing gay marriage. Uh, he's relatively pro gay rights, and in a state like that, I think he has to be. Right. Um, so if for for a Republican, he's he's relatively pro gay rights. I'm not sure that he's fully pro gay marriage. I don't really know. That's on the other end of the country. It's not. Uh, but I know he did oppose Proposition Eight. Oppose means that means what? I I don't recall. He Proposition he Eight was Proposition Eight was to uh, take away the rights of marriage that were extended to gay and lesbian couples by the California Supreme Court and legislature. Uh, and he opposed that thing, which would take away marriage rights. Gotcha. But but yet the 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 yes on eight still won. Why do you think that would be That's in correct. California? 
Well, I think that uh, uh, what happened in, in a lot of ways was that the gay community really was unprepared. They didn't think they were going to lose. They thought that they uh, were going to get Proposition 8 uh, defeated. They didn't, and so they ran a, a pretty sloppy campaign, from, from my understanding of it. Uh, and, and you know, only in the final days did they realize they actually had a chance at, at losing and having Proposition 8 pass. Um, so they didn't they didn't do much campaigning uh, of any sort of attacking or responding to some of these ads. But most importantly, what the other side did and what they did in Maine just recently, which we were up to cover, was they tried to make and they used the same ads. Incidentally, they just changed Maine and California. Mm-hmm. They tried to associate this idea that gay marriage would be taught in schools and you know children. They tried to make it about children and 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 bring up the sort of homophobic. Uh, fears that gay people are somehow linked to pedophilia and their kids would be indoctrinated and turned gay. Oh, of course, all of this is nonsense. We know straight parents don't only make straight kids. Uh, aside from that, I, I don't think I ever had a marriage lesson in school. And uh, <laughs> But most importantly, you know, we should be changing and saying, well, if, ha- if marriage is talked about in school and half of the country supports a redefinition of marriage, then when, you know, do we elect what things we teach our kids about reality? You know, I mean, we should be teaching kids that gay people exist and, and that, you know, some people want a redefinition of marriage to allow gays. I don't think that, you know, just like avoiding these issues, especially not in high, high schools, is going to accomplish anything. Right. Now, what about birthers? Orly Tates, what's... Yeah, Why well, are you know, listening I mean, to her? It barely, it barely warrants. It's they're part of the, They're uh, no different from me in the Tea Party movement. A lot of Tea Party people believe that he's got this birth certificate conspiracy. Certainly, Glenn Beck has done an, a bit of commentary on it. Bill O'Reilly says, "quote I've looked into it. It's nonsense." <laughs> uh, <Right>. You know, <laughs> but anyway, I just think that's funny coming from someone who's so regularly uh, peddles nonsense. Maybe he um, realized he had to get off that jump off that bandwagon real quick, you know? Yeah. Yeah, well, I think, yeah, I mean, he, I don't, I think that's the reason Republican, the Republican Party's not interested. It's, it's crazy. The birth certificate of Obama has already been released, and they keep asking him for their, his birth certificate. So they had a third-party organization come in and evaluate the birth certificate with the Associated Press and I think someone else, and they're still saying that they want to see the birth certificate. Like, what's he supposed to do? Like, you know, go on a train tour around the country with a birth certificate so birthers can come inspect it? They wouldn't believe it anyway. It's a crazy conspiracy. I think the liberals want it to stay in the press more than the conservatives do. And uh, although, that being said, we've met we've met living, breathing tea, tea partiers who really believe that he has a fake birth certificate and wasn't born in our country. And that he's a Muslim. And that he's a Muslim, yeah. <laughs> now, what about... Now, do you think that those tea parties... I think that sometimes their numbers can be so big because the clan is kind of meshing with them. Because I saw, I was looking on the internet, and someone actually linked me to a, a board for racism, like a racist message board or something. Yeah. And they had a special par, uh, special forum that was listing the well, dates, race, you know, the dates and locations for the tea yeah, parties. You know, racism certainly isn't a policy of the of a tea party. Mm-hmm. It may be an undercurrent among some supporters. Uh, that's tied into sort of a general fear of a larger government that can do these things. But, you know, I'd hesitate. To you know, I, I don't think the Tea Party movement is itself racist. I've, uh, I don't think it is. I think that the type of uh, the people who, who the Tea Party appeals to are sometimes racially insensitive because they don't believe in the liberal idea of being politically correct. 
and themselves may even, you know, support policies or have sort of maybe what we would consider racially insensitive or racist feelings. But I don't think that they, they themselves are, 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 their motivation is in any way race-based or that their concern is the race of Obama or that their concerns are anything in any way even related to race, even if we may find them, you know, as, as liberals to find them to be racially insensitive and saying things that are politically incorrect. I don't think that's their motivation. Um, certainly they, there has been racist, there have been racist signs among at the Tea Party rallies, but those are sparse. You don't see many of that as much as you just see people who haphazardly say things, which are on a subconscious level, you know, belay some sort of racism. Right. Now, um, I have one more clip I want to play. This is the the guy at the Tea Party. He was holding up like a 10-foot sign that said, Joe Wilson for president. And this is another hilarious clip. Joe Wilson, of course, yelled, you lie out in the middle of the uh, president's speech. I had yelled it before he did a number of times. And so when he finally said it, I thought somebody finally said it. He did vote in the past for... to. Uh, uh, provide some health care level, uh, level of health coverage for illegal immigrants, which makes what he yelled ironic. Joe, Joe Wilson yeah. supported that? 2002, yeah. yeah I, I am not supporting Joe Wilson for president. <laughs> that was awesome. This, of course, made, made ironic by the fact that he's holding a sign that says Joe Wilson for president. Um, <laughs> you know, yeah, and I don't, and again, I, that, that's an example. I don't think anyone actually did support Joe Wilson for president as much as they were just really happy to be, I don't, you know, I don't even know. The Joe Wilson thing was a strange phenomenon. George H.W. Bush said the other day that he found the defensive and he didn't realize how, how low are we going to go and how we treat our presidents. And I think that's true. Since Bill Clinton, uh, since Bill Clinton's impeachment, you know, the office of the presidency no longer carries this sort of, you know, default support where we're supposed to support you know, the president and certain and certain uh, with certain initiatives and just the country elected them. So now let's give them a chance to lead and a chance to do what it is they wanted to do. Uh, you know, George Bush certainly and the Republican Party certainly did that after September 11th, made made incredible efforts to say that if you don't support the president, and you're not supporting the country and associating patriotism which, with supporting the president, especially during wartime. Um, in fact, George Bush said uh, during the 2004 campaign with, with John Kerry that to disagree with him on the Iraq war policy and Afga- uh, Afghanistan was to send a mixed message to our enemies, which would embolden the terrorists. And those are his words exactly. So they had this idea that if you opposed the president, then you were, you know, on the side of terrorists. You know, that was the subtext or, on the, or against the country or uh, unpatriotic. But when so you'd think that these people who make those accusations now that Obama's in office would similarly give him a level of respect. That hasn't happened. Right. I, I'm not sure that I, I think we should be giving presidents, you know, a deference on whatever they do militarily. But certainly when they're giving a speech to Congress, they should be granted the ability to do so without screaming interruption, you know. Right. That's true. Um, and that was in the middle of his, one of his speeches on healthcare. I mean, that was yeah, yeah. Anyways, well, um, let's wrap it up. I'm glad to have you guys on. Um, give us a call. We're happy to be here. Yeah, that it was awesome that you guys agreed to do this. Um, our voicemail is Elis Radio is three one zero four three nine 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 seven nine. Let us know what you thought of the show. Um, what's next for you guys? 
Well, we don't know. I just I just had uh, dental surgery, as I, uh, so I we've been on. I haven't been able to be in front of a camera. I've still got a bruised face. Puppy, so cheek. puppy uh, cheeks, <laughs> puppy chase, puppy cheeks. Um, so, but uh, we are. I'm healing now, and I am back. We are hoping to do something about this healthcare debate as it moves forward. There's a couple other things we're looking at. Maybe I'll stake out Joe Lieberman's house with a camera. <laughs> but, uh, that would be awesome. But you can find it all, of course, at uh, newleftmedia.com. Yeah, um, and thanks for listening. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. In New York, the shooting of another unarmed black man raises further questions about NYPD tactics. On Thursday, an undercover police officer shot and killed Patrick Dorsman. African immigrant Amadou Diallo. One, two, three.